Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Stack of Knowledge podcast. On today's episodes, we're going to talk about struggles of starting up, vendors, and using those vendors to aid in your success. Sit back and relax, and let's get this episode on the roll. What's going on, people? Another episode of Stack of Knowledge back at you. Uh, it's Cody and Jay again. Today, we're going to go over some uh, startup hurdles, finding vendors, some some price pricing negotiating your pricing uh and a lot of other things so uh again refresher my name is cody i own a fully automatic screen print and embroidery shop here in central texas we've been in business for about four years now coming off uh, active duty army to do what i've always wanted to do is own my own business um and then uh, of course as always we have the awesome and always pleasant jay thaxter that's me uh my <laughs> name's jay calling from uh running Choice Inc. up in the, the snowy New England. We're a manual screen printing shop that offers uh, screen printing, embroidery, and vinyl work. And our, we're currently in our first year of operation. We're about nine, 10 months in, and we'll hit our year mark in about March or April. Crowd goes wild. <laughs> uh, so, Usually what happens is during the week, me and Jay talk, um, you know, a couple of our podcasts back, we talk about having sounding boards or other shops that you work with and me and shop, me and Jay do that pretty much daily. Um, and uh, this week, I, one of the things that stands out to us most is, um, is starting. I don't know. I think it's because you have maybe the most drive, um, the most ambition, you're pumped, you're, you're willing to lose all your sleep you know, run and gun nonstop, nonstop. So I think today we agreed that we're going to talk about some of those things that you encounter uh, in ways to set, you know, your business up for success early on, uh, whether it be simple stuff such as packaging or, or, uh, you know, or, or more complex things like negotiating prices and stuff to that nature. So uh, Jay, what's one of the things that you can remember starting out? Like one of the bigger, it should be kind of, you know, it may be fresher to you than me, but one of the bigger, uh, things that stands out to you about starting up or some obstacles you encountered that you kind of had to chew through and fight through and that you didn't really anticipate? So the first thing that the, the biggest hurdle for us to begin with was finding vendors themselves, both supply vendors for our mm -hmm. supplies, you know, our inks, our squeegees, our tapes, it's all that. Right. Finding out where to get that from and mm -hmm. also finding out our vendors for our blanks, so our garments, you know, our, our, our shirts, our hats and stuff like that. Finding out the, so there's a, there's a happy medium between cost and how fast you get the items. Right. So if I'm paying, if I'm, you know, trying to find a place where, you know, I might be paying real little, you know, cost on, on the garment itself, but if it takes me a week to get it, then that's not exactly good, conducive for good business. So right. finding that happy medium to where we're, you know, not overpaying to get it too fast, mm -hmm. but we're also not underpaying to wait forever to get it right. so that it's holding up orders. Yeah, I think that's a big, a big obstacle because, you know, thanks to the super factories and the super manufacturers and those big guys that start with A and deliver stuff in like four hours uh, online, <laughs> I think we know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Uh, they've, they've created a sense of urgency in the culture and in the economy um, a here and now type of uh, world where, you know, you hit submit on something and you want to have it instantly. Instant gratification, I think, has become a big factor in, in our industry as well as every industry that I can think of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's actually really smart, you know, picking up and finding a vendor that is, A, like you're saying, it can ship it to you quick, but B is not going to cost you an arm or leg because don't worry, you can get whatever you need. 
but don't forget you have to set your pricing and stuff based on based on these these things you know shipping and time and a quantity needed and and stuff like that um i would say my biggest hurdle um starting out would be lack of knowledge on on specifics if that makes any sense at all you know you have those customers in like in our industry where uh they were like you know hey have you ever done it's one of the things i, I would relate it to to like when you first get out of college and you have your degree and you apply for jobs, but all the jobs want that three to four year job experience. And you you just like, well, I got to start somewhere. Um, so I, you know, people would call us and asking like, Hey, do y'all do like this? Do y'all do a, do y'all do napkins? Do y'all do whatever? And you gotta, you either me, I was a yes, man. I mean, I don't know about you, Jay, but I said yes to literally everything I could say yes to. I mean, I would, do you do this? Yes, absolutely. And then I would get off with them and immediately try to find the answer to do whatever it was I needed to do. Um, and I think it puts you in a position to both grow. It forces you to grow and learn. Um, and it forces you to have that real conversation with the customer that early on is either a, I can do it or B, I gotta, I gotta be a hundred percent honest with you and tell you that I can't do it. Um, and I think that's a big hurdle for some people. Cause I, I don't know if it's hard for you, but some people might have a really hard time saying no or admitting, Hey, I bit off more than I could chew. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of growing pains that come with that aspect alone is, is being able to say no and knowing when to, when to hold them and when to fold them, I guess is how the old saying goes. Um, but I think, yeah, that'd probably be my biggest startup hurdle um, at all. I mean, besides obviously learning what it is you're trying to do because every day you should try to learn something new. Um, but I, I think uh, to go along with what you said, I think one of the bigger headaches I had starting up is, is, what we would me and Jay call false vendors. Um, it, those people that kind of just reach out to you via email or phone call. And you, they're just like, I, I don't know. How would you describe them, Jay? Like, like just, they're just, they're, they're not really selling a service. They're trying to scam you. Right. And so early on, you'll get a lot of, a lot of these emails or phone calls from people that are like, Oh, you know, we need 6,000 of this or 5,000 of that. And I honestly don't know how they have it set up to where they can steal your identity and stuff, but they're pretty good with that. I don't, Jay, have you ever encountered something like that or dealt with these issues? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we, there's a lot of, I mean, nowadays, unfortunately the, the world we live in is everybody seems to, every fifth email you get seems to be <laughs> some kind of scam or some kind of, you know, uh, here, send us your credit card number and we'll, we'll try, you know, we'll set up, set you up on a payment plan. So you pay monthly for our services. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think just to, to touch on what you're talking about, about the vendors too, as, and, and taking whatever, you know, yes, being a yes man, like you say, right. the, uh, I think the other complication that comes with that is when you, when you first accept a job doing, especially in our industry where, you know, we, we could be printing on anything. Right. So I think the complication is also, finding when you accept a job doing something you haven't done before making sure that you're getting the supplies that are conducive to hitting the margins that you have set aside, that you have set for your company yep. and you're talking about profit margins right correct correct so making sure that you're not overpaying you know because because if i have never bought you know say you know for instance my company recently accepted a job doing propylene shopping bags mm -hmm. um because up here in, in connecticut we don't uh the stores aren't allowed to sell uh plastic you know plastic shopping bags here so right. everybody you get you have to pay 10 cents for every bag so what everybody's doing is they're buying these bags that they just bring to the store with them right and i had never i had you know i had never printed on them mm -hmm. so i'm looking at every all these companies and the you know the, the prices were ranging and i'm just trying to find where 
I could get it for the price that I should be to hit my margin so that when I'm quoting these customers, I know what I'm hitting. Right. Um, but to, to go back to what you're saying about vendors, um, you, we have that even with our blank garment vendors. You know, you have your, we have our vendors that we're, uh, that we are, that are wholesalers that we go through that are, you know, majority of the ones we use are the big names that majority of the industry uses. Right. But you always seems like you have the, the real small one that it almost feels like it's a guy in his garage buying shirts at the local <laughs> craft store right. and then boxing them and sending them to you. And, mm-hmm. and you just have to be careful that you're making, that you're building relationships with the right vendors right. so that later on down the road, you don't have to cross a, a barrier where either you're getting scammed or you're mm-hmm. not getting product on time or you're, you're getting right. product on time, but it's not the right product. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that what you're promising, what you're saying you're going to deliver and what your vendors are giving you, that you're still able to hit the profit margins and the numbers that you have in your, you know, set aside for your business. Absolutely. I think a big tool to help with that too is when you're selecting a vendor is if you go on any of the major shipping companies' websites, uh, either be at the Brown, big Brown UPS or the regular USPS on their websites, on almost all the websites, they have what's called a shipping map. Um, and for those of you that don't know, you can look at this map and it, and it tells you plain as day, I mean, plain English, how many days it's going to take to ship you something. So that helps you factor in. Now, once you get further down the road, you learn the shipping schedule and you know, oh, if I order from A, it'll get here in two days. If I order from C, it'll get here in, in a day. And if I order from whatever, it'll get here in a week. Um, that'll help you as well. And that's why it's really kind of pivotal. I would think in to find a vendor that's, it's what we would call local and local to me is within an hour drive of your shop. Um, because then you're not put too much out of time. Now, it, I mean, an hour is a long way away, but if it's say, you know, if you waste an hour, well, two hours, cause you got to drive there and back. But let's say that there's a vendor at that exact hour mark. It's still faster than ordering something and it taking three days to get to you. So I think it, it's also very important to find local vendors. Now they may not be your stand, like your full-time go-to vendor, but it could be that shop that, or that, that warehouse or whatever that you keep on the back burner for, you know, in, in case of emergencies or you get that, that late soccer mom order that needs 15 shirts with this special vinyl or whatever by tomorrow night or, you know, whatever the case may be. And if you have that local vendor and Jay, you've run into this too before with your, with your emulsion, right? Because the temperatures and stuff and emulsions are very temperature sensitive things. Uh, has having a close vendor come into uh, like play as a, as a vital role to your shop yet or. Yeah, hundred percent. So we have, um, as you, as you know, emulsion freezes and if it freezes, it's ruined. So right. we actually have a local, um, they actually specialize in selling sign materials, mm-hmm. but they have a small little screen printing division Yeah, and they just happen to carry the emulsion that we use. So they're right. actually, they're, they're basically our emulsion supplier. Yeah. That's who we go to because I can drive. It's like 25 minutes away, mm-hmm. drive down the road, buy the emulsion and, and, and bring it home and I don't have to worry about a freezing. Right. So I use them exclusively for that. But I think also along with finding your vendors goes back to one of our earlier episodes where we talked about networking. Yeah. If you're networking with shops in your area or, or not even in your area, nowadays you have Facebook and everything else. Right. But if you're networking with other shops, you can always reach out too. Cause that, you know, and say, Hey, listen, I gotta, I gotta find, uh, you know, I have to do a 50, 50 shirt. I use this specific brand, but my main supplier says they're out of it. You know, who, who do you guys reach out to? Right. So building those networks, networking is huge in any business, but I right. think that's also plays back to finding vendors because you can't be scared to reach out and say, Hey, can you give me a hand? You know, who, who do you use or who do you call? Or, right. Hey, do you have a, a rep that I could call that'll help mm-hmm. me out? So I think, you know, along with it, uh, your networking is always going to play in, but I think it plays in here as well.
Right. It's funny you say that because actually a couple of weeks ago, I ran out of a uh, very specific embroidery thread that we needed. And, uh, and through networking, I, there was a shop across town that we've become friends with and we kind of, you know, we work with each other a lot. He had ironically had the correct color that I needed. Um, and I was able to shoot across town and pick that up and then, and then shoot back and, and get the job done because of the fact that I went over there at one point and we both met and I think we actually met at a chamber event, a chamber of commerce event, but either way, I mean, and that's, that's true. Vendor, a vendor, don't think of a vendor just as a company or a warehouse. It could also be a homie down the street. So, um, you know, keep that in mind that again, work, working with people usually is bearing more fruit than thinking that everyone's your enemy. Um, and, and Jay's story about the emulsion, that's, that's a really key fact on, on a time sensitive thing that needs to be shipped. If you know that you are having these issues or going to have these issues, such as, you know, he lives in the North, it's going to freeze. It's going to stay frozen for three or four months. Uh, and I don't think any, Jay, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that any of the carriers have heaters in the pack where the packages sit. Um, so if it's a time sensitive or a temperature sensitive thing, you got to plan ahead and find a vendor that can fulfill your order or your need, uh, before the freeze. So y'all could have ordered a bunch of stuff before winter and been squared away. Um, you know, if you can project those things, but I think that as long as you get a good network of vendors, both local and online, you will be a okay squared away. It's just finding those vendors, finding reputable vendors, um and 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 figuring out okay this is who i want to stick with this is who i don't need to stick with and jay hit the hit nail on the head when he talked about the the setting your profit margins based on these things because believe it or not a lot of people forget it but cost of goods not just cost of goods sold but cost of goods be it cleaning material toiletries uh stickers business cards these are all factors that you need to think about when you're creating your, your, your margins and, and your, you know, profits and what you want to pay yourself and such, because that stuff adds up uh, as, as me and Jay both learned early on, you don't factor in the three chemicals that you use every day. And all of a sudden you need three gallons of this stuff and you're out 180 bucks and you did not factor that in. And when you're a startup, 180 bucks is a lot of money. Um, the thing that when you find a good vendor, a vendor that you like um, is samples, uh, you know, you, Jay's a seriously a professional at this <laughs> i don't have nearly the luck that he has when it comes to getting samples but reaching out to these vendors and saying hey i want to use you but i want to know that i like your product first uh so is there any samples or any way that y'all can send me some stuff and i'm telling you nine times out of ten they have samples they have this stuff in the budget to send you uh jay do you have any experience with ordering samples or can you give us some insider knowledge there because you're so dang good at it <laughs> So I always just try to, normally what I'll do is if, if I can find a vendor, is I play, uh, I frame it up as, if you let me get the sample and we like it, then you'll be our vendor going forward. Basically. Right. And, and, and to preface so, that, we're not saying to lie. Don't lie to your vendors. When Jay said he's saying he's framing it up to say that, he means he's letting them know like, hey, I, if, if this is a good product, I want to continue this relationship with you. Right, hundred percent. So I am even as a, as a as an individual. So I'm huge on relationship building, mm -hmm. and I learned, you know, in my previous life in the corporate world, I learned that relationship building makes all the difference. And once you have a relationship with a with a with an organization or an individual or a company or whatever the situation is, mm -hmm. and you foster that relationship, normally it's gonna you're gonna reap the benefits down the road. So if I tell a company like, hey, you know, I want to try this ink, but I never used it before. Can I get a sample? And as long as we like it, you know, we'll stick with you. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of our vendors we've dealt with, 
or we deal with now were because of that. And, and I won't leave them because I, I value that. To me, right. once I give somebody my word that we're going to build a relationship with you, then that's, you know, we're going to build that relationship. And I think that's twofold mm -hmm. because that means also that later on down the road, when I'm in a bind, and I need something, they're gonna remember that I've built that relationship, I made them a promise and I stuck to it, and they're gonna be more likely to help me down the road. Um, in addition with that, with trying new products and trying new things, again, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but that goes back to our networking as well. Because right. as you know, I've had, a, there's, a, there's a shop about an hour away from me mm -hmm. that we have just so happened, or we kind of stumbled upon each other and, and now, have I sent him a product to try he liked it right. and then I wanted to try something and I didn't know he had it but I wanted to try something I saw him on one of the one of the Facebook groups talking about it right. and I said hey you know how, how what do you think about that you know that product and he goes actually you know what you sent me the product last week so let me send you this one to try right. and so we did that we basically did a swap where hey are you try this I'll try that and and then it just so happened when he when he sent me a the, the product he sent me another product to try just because he was feeling generous so. <laughs> perfect creating a loophole <laughs> uh, of product trying <laughs> right but um so so and this all goes back to what i was saying relationship building whether it's with another company or the vendors or a supplier or whoever it is i think you you want your company and you want your business most importantly you want your business to have the reputation of keeping your word and somebody that everybody else wants to build a relationship with is happy with that relationship right Exactly. Now, uh, now I know we're heavy on the screen printing and, and print industry. Did, did, did something, did that similarly happen with you in the detail world? For those of you that don't know, Jay used to own a detail shop uh, also up there in Connecticut. Did, did you ever do that with the, can you give us some experiences you had with that, with the detail world? I just want to, you know, open it to another industry so people can kind of get a different idea, maybe focus in on their industry specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So when we were, when we had the detail shop, uh, there was a lot of times where uh, a new, uh, you know, because we have dual action polishers and we had rotaries and we had, we had all these machines and it seems like in the detail industry, every couple of months, there's another pad coming out. Like it's the new magic pad, the right. buffing pad and everybody's got to try it or, or a new, a new all in one. That's a polish and a sealant mm -hmm. and everybody's got to try it. And, and I can't, and unfortunately, especially in, in that world, that stuff's expensive. So I did, did the same thing. You know, I would reach out and say, listen, we really want to try this. We want this to be our, we want to, we want to work this product into one of our packages. So every time we sell this, this particular detail package to a customer, we're using this product in that package. And a lot of times it would work, you know, where they would say, yeah, absolutely. We'll send you a little, you know, I mean, it's probably just enough to do what door on a car, but yeah. it's enough to get an idea of if you like the product or not. Exactly. But also we would try to build relationships with other detailers. Now, I will say detailing is a far more aggressive industry than screen printing <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um, so detailers are, are generally less willing. Or I found in my area, so I shouldn't generalize. That's not fair. Yeah. But in my area, I found that detailers are uh, very unwilling to help each other out. Right. Um, so what I did was instead of building, trying to build relationships with guys in my area that refused to do so, <laughs> I used social media and I reached out to detailers in other parts of the country and right. built relationships that way. And one of us would buy a product, take half of it, send it to the other guy, and we'd be able to try it out. Same thing with pads. Uh, and, and so I think it's a, you know, trying out products and building relationships with those companies. I think that's non-industry specific. specific. Yeah. It's, uh, no matter what industry you're in, that's, it's going to be conducive to success. Right. And I think you just got to think outside the box. Think of, you know, 
vendors that may uh, you got to look at stuff at different angles sometimes and figure out and, and that's how you get these samples that's why you get these samples this is why you try new things it'll, it'll force your hand to grow it'll force your hand to learn it'll keep you from getting stagnant um because you know and it, the world changes and revolving and if uh evolving every single day so you got to try to you got to keep up with the changes in the economy and in the product world. Cause like you said, Jay, things, you know, every other week or every other month, there's this new latest and greatest thing and somebody's got to bite the bullet to try it. So, you know, that's why it's good to network like we always say. And that's why we, uh, we try to do that, you know? So, uh, Jay, what are some thoughts? Uh, we're going to kind of jump, jump the jump ship here or not jump ship, jump topics here. Um, going from samples to product finishing. I know one of the hurdles I had whenever we first started was, uh, I wanted to give that professional unique touch. Um, and so we jumped on and, uh, and started with package, like looking for custom packaging or using, you know, what we had or whatever. So what are your experiences when it comes to, uh, with, with custom packaging or with packaging so, in general, whenever you, you know, finished product. So I will say, so there's, there's multiple different ways that I've seen it done within our industry. So I've seen guys make their print their own boxes with their company logos. I've seen guys have their, have tape made with their logos on it. Uh, us personally, uh, we're a lot more simple than that right now. So we generally just use the, the, the product boxes. So if we order a specific brand shirt, and it comes to the, from the supplier in their boxes, then we use those boxes. So <clears throat> right now, the only stipulation for me is um, I refuse to send a box out that looks beat up. So yep. if we get a box from, as I'm sure you have, when we order from these suppliers, sometimes UPS isn't so kind, and, and we get boxes that are tore up. So I won't use those. I refuse to use those because yeah, that's an image yeah. thing. Right. Because I know if I was a customer and I got a box, you know, if I order from a, uh, an online company, and I get a box that's all beat up. I'm, I'm probably going to have a bad outlook. So I refuse to do that. Right. Um, but also what's in the box is important. So I make sure that the shirts don't, you know, they're not just thrown in the box. It looks like garbage. Right. Um, I make sure that when, and on top of the, of the shirts, we always included a invoice to show that it's paid. Mm -hmm. uh, we and for records. <laughs> absolutely. We include a, uh, just for the customer. And, and, and I realize most customers probably don't look at it. But just to show that we're taking the extra step to help the customer take care of their garments, mm -hmm. no matter what garment we send out, we always print out the wash and care instructions and okay. put it on top of the box. So when they open it, it says for, you know, for the, it has our company logo on it and it says for the best life to, to extend the best garment life possible, follow the following steps and it has that information. And then at the bottom, we always say, you know, a uh, thank you to our customers. Thank you for picking us. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, to, to show that professionalism and to show that we appreciate our customers. Cause let's face it without the customers, we don't have jobs. So, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I do, I do want to go back to your vendor conversation a little quick. Okay. Um, because there, you said I get samples better than you, but there's something you do a lot better than I do. <laughs> okay. What is that? <laughs> um, so, so you negotiate your, your vendor fees and how much, how much you're paying your vendors a lot better than I do. Mm -hmm. I don't take that step. So I don't even do that. Whatever they tell me I got to pay is what I pay. I got and you. so how do you, how do you approach that? And, and what's the, what's the policy and procedures for most of these places? Okay. So I've that short answer leverage. Um, I, leverage is key when it comes to finding out prices. So you got to remember that these vendors are also running a business just like we are, uh, which means they also have profit margins, which means that they have payroll and paychecks and they've marked their products up to a certain extent. 
So it, you, you use leverage, but you also have to have the backing to back it up. So I, early on, it's a lot harder. Um, but as you get further down the road, it's easier. But for like example, if you have a vendor that you're, you know, that you're buying 80 to 90% of your stuff from, which if you're, if, if you're like me and Jay and a lot of other people in the country, once you find something you're good with or you're happy with, you kind of stick to it. You kind of find that happy zone and you stay in there. Um, and you and you venture out of it every you know every couple of weeks or so, but you usually generally stay with one vendor or, or a handful of vendors. So, what you can do is these vendors nine times out of ten, if they're if they're a big corporation, they'll, they'll track what you're ordering, how much you're spending, how much you're ordering from them, and your frequency, the product frequency, all these numbers, right? And we get a roll up of it at the end of every year. Uh, and so leverage, you use those numbers to leverage your pricing. Um, so let's say like let's take it to the detail world. Let's say I've been using, you know, uh, Mr. Blue's uh, car polish, and that's like I bread and our bread and butter. We're gonna use it nonstop. Or let's say you're a, you know, you're a carpenter and you only use, you know, rapid saw saw blades, or just, you know, made insert company name here. Um, what you can do is you can call these vendors and say, look, I have. You can go through my records and you can see uh, that I get stuff from you, if not daily, every two or three days. Uh, or I put big orders in at the every end of every week for the next week. Um, but I, I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of kind of not happy with the pricing. I kind of feel like I, there's a little wiggle room there. Um, and I think that we can work on this pricing. So what, what can we do about the pricing? And, and that usually opens up the conversation to, well, you know, we do have margins and we do have wiggle room and we do have negotiated, negotiative prices. Um, but they're going to ask you immediately what you're going to do for them. Uh, and a lot of times some of them, might send you contracts. They might send you numbers. Um, for one of my vendors, I have to guarantee that I'll spend 15 grand with them a year to get the pricing that I do. Sounds like a big number, but you can ask Jay. It's not. It's not in our industry at all. Um, 15k, we can we can meet that usually like by February March. Usually around you know early on in the year. So they threw a number at me, and then I had to guarantee that I would I would use them. Now that also goes back to you having to follow through with your word as well um, and, and fulfilling your end of the bargain. So we do, uh, we do, but just leverage, honestly, just the, the, the one word I want you to remember is leverage using your frequency and your uh, amount ordered to, to get a better price because there is wiggle room. Everything's a negotiative price, everything. Uh, I don't care if it's, it's scrub pads or, you know, a buffing wheel, if you're a woodworking shop or saw blades or paint, if you're, you know, if you're a painter, let's say you go down to the local paint shop every single Friday and you get 10 gallons of paint every Friday because they're building 15 subdivisions in your town and you're always getting cream white or whatever the color may be. Nine times out of 10, you can say, look, man, we're paying 50 bucks a gallon right now. If you will drop it down to 40 bucks a gallon, I'll, there's a partnership. There's a, there's another guy in town that does paint. I'll send them over here as much as I can and get them to do stuff. Most of the time they'll say yes. Um, Short-term loss, long-term gain, gain is how the company usually looks at it. They're going to take a 10 to 15 cent loss on the product, but they're going to gain however much business you bring them. And, and, and it goes to show because when Jay was starting, he asked, Hey, what are some vendors that you use or who are some people you use? And the ones that always take care of me, I took care of them. I, I, you know, I told Jay, Hey, this is, this is the ones that we want to, this is the ones that you want to use. Uh, 
these are the guys that I've been using for years. We've been able to negotiate down our prices, be, you know, with them, uh, and, and they're great people and they take care of me. Now, some vendors, they're going to straight up tell you, uh, hey, we got no, absolutely no wiggle room. There's nothing we can do for you, and that's okay. Not every vendor is going to be as lenient as some of the bigger guys. It usually only works with the huge, massive vendors. Um, there's a couple of mom and pops that we've been able to do it to. Uh, but don't be afraid to ask. And that's another key point is asking. You got to step up and ask the questions because, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, so uh, it's just one of them things that you got to be prepared to prepared to be told no, because that's the worst thing that can happen is they look at you in the face and say no. But and that's not a big deal. You know, that's that's OK. Move on to the next one. But just keep asking, keep trying. Uh, a lot of the times too, Jay, there's vendors that ask uh, or not vendors. There's times that whenever we get asked to do fundraisers uh, and, and we can call the vendors in and say, hey, maybe for this one order, this one time period, maybe from the 1st to the 15th, every shirt that I order is going towards this fundraiser. Could we maybe work on pricing for this specific product, this specific model at this specific price for these specific dates? That's also a thing because you're guaranteeing that business, hey, we're going to, we're going to for sure give you whatever X amount of dollars in this time period, which they rather wouldn't, or they may other, otherwise not have had. So I hope that answers your question, Jay. Um, I don't know if it makes it clear, but uh, the two takeaways would be, don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to leverage, leverage the usage and the frequency of your orders. Yeah. Makes total sense. I got some phone calls to make tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. See? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and then jumping back to your packaging deal, I, you you hit the nail on the head with the packaging, with the dilapidated boxes and all that. I agree. Image is everything. Uh, you, you know, your perception is key. If you want people to think that you're producing a million-dollar product, well, then you have to present a million-dollar product. And one of the key things and one of the key takeaways that I tell all my customers and my new – like my new – like if I have a guy promoted into like the shop manager position or the or uh, quality control, you know, let's say – I don't know how you look at it, Jay, but this is how I teach my guys to look at it. Uh, let's say a customer orders well, however many shirts they order, and the total is $526, right? you get one chance to impress a customer and that chance is right when they open the, open the packaging, right? So they're going to open the box. They're going to open the bag. They're going to open whatever it is that you did for them, or they're going to pull up. If you're, if you're a detail shop, they're going to drive up and see their car. If you're a home builder, they're going to walk around and look at it. Me personally, I look at all the trim work. I look at how detail oriented it was, but let's say that customer ordered $526. That was their total, right? They're going to take a shirt and they're going to pick it up and they're going to hold it up. In the customer's mind, from the time they saw your package to opening the package and looking at that one product, now you're being judged on one product, it all has to be worth $526. In that customer's mind, it has to be worth the dollar amount that's on the total bill due, period. So if you can't make that happen, just do your best to make it happen. You know, Jay, like he said, he's using the, 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 the standard boxes that the products come in, which sometimes most use a lot of the times they're blank or they just have one brand name on them, which that's okay too. Uh, but he doesn't use the, the, the messed up torn raggedy ones that got left in the rain. He's using the solid standing crisp and tall boxes. Um, to package his products. And I don't know, Jay, if you've had experience with that or not, uh, first impressions based on packaging and, and, and product delivery. Uh, do you have any stories or things to add to that? Yeah, so we look at it in a very similar way. However, the only difference of, uh, of how I approach it to how you approach it is I tell my guy that <clears throat> don't worry about how much a shirt costs. 
Right. If you're if you were the guy opening the box, and you open the box, and this is what you saw, would you be happy that you spent that money on that? Right. Then that's that's exactly it. I mean, you got to be will. Yes, exactly. Hit the nail on the if head. I looked at it, then then I and I looked at it and I said, okay. Yep. Nope. Don't like it. If I didn't <laughs> like it, then I would not let then I then I I would not allow the customer to see it. So there's been multiple times where. We print a, you know, just even a test print and, 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 you know, Mark will look at it and say, Hey, yeah, that looks good. And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, Nope, not good enough. Right. Nope, not good enough. we got to make some adjustments mm-hmm. because I'm very, and I, I know you know this about me, but I'm very particular about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and for me, if it's, if it's going out of this shop, it better look exactly how I like it. And I right. have very little wiggle room. Right. And what goes out of here because that goes back to a personal thing. So for me, whatever comes out of choosing is a person is an is a is a direct reflection on right. myself as a human being. Exactly, exactly right. Any product, anywhere, any business, anytime, every time. Yes, I agree with you 100. And 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 then you got to be able to. Another thing to keep in mind while you're printing or whenever you're making a product or you're producing a providing a service or whatever are you prepared to leave that item or service with the customer and that customer say, yep, A or X or B or C did it, you know, with, with Jay, are you prepared for one person? You know, they're wearing a, they're wearing a t-shirt at a baseball game and someone says, dude, I love your shirt. Who made it? Oh, well, choice Inc. made it. Oh, dude, they do great work. But in the same hand, are you ready for that customer to say, dude, who made your shirt? That thing looks rough. And they're like, Oh, well, choice Inc. made it, you know, which one do you want your name on? So keep that in mind as well when you're, you know, you're doing your products and, and that just goes with any industry, really. I mean, that's across the board. Another, another big hurdle that we, uh, some people um, come across, Jay, is, is setting up their pricing, um, setting up their pricing or figuring out their profit margins or any of that stuff. So do you have any tips or tricks that we could use for pricing modules or any of that stuff? So as you know, I use a calculator uh, that we that was that, that we an Excel calculator that we made an Excel spreadsheet, and it has everything in, in from our shop expenses to how much each screen costs, how much ink goes on each shirt, and et cetera, et cetera. So we use that. Um, but in making that, you have to know what goes into each. <laughs> so you have to know your costs. If you don't know your costs, either uh, for your overhead, so your your rent, electricity, water. Mm-hmm. How much, you, how much is on each shirt? So, right. you know, say, say, you know, for instance, say it's, it's 35 cents of ink on each shirt. Each time you swipe a squeeze, it costs you 35 cents in ink. Mm-hmm. So you have to know all that. And then you have to know how much margin you want to make. Mm-hmm. So how much margin do you need to make per garment to make sure that you're a profitable shop? Right. And by knowing all that, then you'll be able to find out your end result. But if you don't know how much it costs to do the job, then you're never going to know how much it costs to do the, uh, or how much you're going to need to make. And that's what kills me with a lot of, a lot of, even in the detail, detail world too. Uh, that's what used to kill me because we would have guys, you know, I had my shop and we would have guys doing uh, a wash, a vacuum and a, a carpet extraction and a one step paint correction with a buffer. And they're charging $99. And I could never understand how these guys are doing it because if you're only charging $99, it's taking you seven hours to do it. Where, where's your, where's your margin? You know, yeah. where's your profit in that? Right. And at that point, you're not, you're not a detailer. At that point, you're just doing it for fun. Right. So in our industry too, you have to know how much it costs and then be able to figure out where you're at. Now I will admit 
it sounds good. <laughs> but we're still, I mean, we're very young in our business and we're right. still trying to figure out a lot of stuff. So that's actually a hurdle that we're, uh, we're going through in the present is mm -hmm. trying to find out our pricing because every time I think I got it figured out, I find something that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is, that tells me we're a little bit off. So right. it's, it's important that you have your pricing, but it's also important that when you have your pricing that, that you treat it as a living, breathing document that's, that can change and evolve as you evolve as a company. Right. And I think that a lot of times people forget little things too. Uh, and the, it's the little hidden costs that'll kill you. Uh, it's the stuff like, are, am I going to pay myself? Uh, did I forget that I need to buy all these cleaning supplies? Did I forget that, you know, it, there's the little, maybe you have a personal loan that you forgot you had and, and you got to take that into account. Um, so yeah, I, I, Jay's right. I, luckily for us in our, in our industry, a lot of that stuff is very easily laid out, uh, like the, elect the electricity used on the dryers and the computers and stuff. Most electronics have the tag on the side that says that they're putting in, you know, putting out so many watts or voltage or any of that stuff. And you can easily use your, uh, you can easily use your electric bill to find out what you're paying per kilowatt hour and then convert down to that. Uh, Jay and I actually did that the other day. Uh, Jay, what's your experience with hidden costs? I don't know if that's affected y'all yet or if there's anything that I'm not thinking of as far as hidden costs that may hinder or slow down your growth or, you know, your pocketbook growth, if you will. I think the problem is, so in my short time that I've been in this industry, I've found that a lot of places seem to forget, um, all the little things that go into setting up and printing a job. So it's not just, okay, so the shirt, say the shirt cost me $4 a piece. Okay. So if I make them, if I tell them I'm going to charge them $6 and I'm making $2 a shirt, right. it's not, it is not that simple. No, and it's so, not. You know, and specifically to our industry, you know, you have to remember you're using emulsion, you're using tape, you're using, uh, your ink, you're using your, everything that you're doing, you know, so your water, your electricity to run your dryers, your, there's a whole list of stuff that I think most people, a lot of people uh, are, forget about and, right. and they, they fixate themselves on just the shirt, just the <laughs> ink. Okay. And, and unfortunately that's, that's going to kill a lot of these people in the long run if they don't think about that. So I think the important thing is, and what I do or what I did when I first started was I stood at the, at the door and I said, okay, we're going to print a shirt. And what I did was I went through the steps of putting a shirt from start to finish. Right. And I, when I say start to finish, I mean walking in the shop and turning on the light switch. Right. Walking over and turning on the conveyor driver. Mm -hmm. set, taking the time to set up the screen, put it on the exposure unit, et cetera, et cetera. And so as I did that, I wrote down everything that costs money. Right. So, oh, Which is everything. Turn, breathing. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I turn the lights on. Electric bill. Turn the dryer on. Electric bill. Right. Uh, I, I have the screen. Screen. Oh, that's emotion. You know, I put on the on the exposure unit, electricity. You know, right. so that I, I kind of kept that. You know, and I think it's important that you do that with everything. But from a business perspective, you have to know what each of those costs are. At least, at least be very close because if not, right, right, right. you're going to be spend. You know, you're going to be charging a very small margin, and then you're going to look at your bank account and wonder why is this <laughs> company not making money? Right. And I'm printing 600 shirts a week or a day or whatever right. it is. So right. just make just making sure you stay on top of it. Right. It may seem a little silly, but a good example of this is my, my buddy owns an automotive shop here in town. And uh, recently they just switched from those big fluorescent tube lights to all LEDs in the entire building. 
Um, and it, I didn't think it would make much of a difference, but he saved, I, I want to say he said like 60 or $70 on his electric bill. Now keep in mind, this is a massive shop. It's like a eight, six or eight bay shop. They have a huge showroom. Jay's seen it. Um, and, but I mean, just think about that. Even if it's 60 or 70 bucks a month, I mean, that's almost a grand every year that you're saving now, you know, snowball effect that with everything else around you. And you can definitely stack up the savings or, or vice versa, the spending, uh, if you're not paying attention to these little things. Uh, so yeah, no, all that stuff is very important. Figuring out, um, you know, your, your hidden costs and, and stuff to that nature. It, it's, it's all vital. Uh, it can help you sink and sink or swim. Um, and it, it's all, you know, it's all equally important to the success of your business. Now don't get, don't get the, uh, you know, your hidden costs or, or making money on you. What am I trying to say? The, uh, like, how do I word this? A lot of businesses are not profitable in the first year or two. And we're talking, that's t something totally different from what we're talking about here. Uh, we're simply talking about making sure that you're making enough money to pay your, pay yourself and pay your bills, uh, to keep turning the lights on, keep you a, a lot less stressed out, even though it's one of the most stressful things you do in your life. <laughs> um, but it'll keep you, keep everything running and keep you up and, and going. So yeah, to play on that. So let, let me clarify. Let's, let's put a little clarification in here then. Mm -hmm. If you're still in your first year, year and a half, two years of your business, your goal should be that your personal bank account should not be paying anything in the business. Right. So you might not be making money and your bank account for the business might stay at zero. But if you're taking money out of your personal bank account to put it into it, mm -hmm. then something's off right. somewhere. Right that's that's important to remember too as long as your business is paying the business bills right. you're good and you but you yes you're correct you want to get to a point where the exact opposite of what jay just said is happening to where you're actually sending money to your personal checking account uh right. called a paycheck um so right. but also don't get your head wrapped around that there's a lot of stuff I, and jay knows this i didn't start paying myself i think for i don't remember jay what like a year and a half in a year year and a half yeah. two years in yep. Uh, and even then it was just minimum wage and I, and I'm not gonna lie. I watched the clock and there was a lot of times I would clock out and keep on working. Um, but it, it's just one of the things that you gotta, you gotta figure out early on. And the earlier you find this stuff out, the better, uh, the quicker you get on this stuff, uh, quicker you get on filing your taxes and get that into a habit, the quicker you build a budget for your business, uh, figure out what your pricing is per product because I mean, let's face it. Jay's up North. I'm down way down South. We're literally at the opposite ends of the U S and uh, his pricing and his cost of living and cost of goods and everything. They are significantly different than my shop. And so it's, it's, this is one of those things you can't, you kind of can't look left and right and do. You could steal some other shops pricing, but you don't know all their bills and they may be a shop that behind the scenes is either breaking even or just, you know, not making any money. And if you go and just steal all their pricing, well, then there you go. You've already set yourself up for failure. You know, they may have some secondary or third source of income that y'all don't know about as a consumer. So uh, you can't get wrapped up um, around stuff like that. You got to sit down uh, and you got to figure out the pricing that you need to do for your shop's needs uh, and, and just go from there. And just don't forget that you're, the, the people are paying you for the service provided, uh, not what they think it should be, if, if that makes sense. There's a lot of people, Jay, I'm sure, I know you know what I'm talking about, They're, that customers will want to talk you down and down and down. Just like I said, talking your prices down with a vendor, 
uh, there's going to be customers that talk, try to constantly talk you down on your pricing uh, for your services or your goods provided. Uh, Jay, have you ever had that happen to you yet? Absolutely. <laughs> All, every, almost every other customer is going to tell you your prices aren't good enough. Right. Um, but that's also come. That's also where it comes in that you you know what it costs and you know what you need to charge to stay profitable. Right. And what's more important, making the customer happy for charging them a, a, a minimum price or using the business to pay your bills like you have to. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get it twisted. There's a difference between overcharging, right, and charging what you have to charge. Mm -hmm. Right. But majority of your customers stay, stay competitive. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and the majority of your customers know what they what they should be paying. Right. And and the majority of the time in the, in the day and age we live in with the, the day of the internet and social media and all this other stuff, that customer already knows what they're what they should be paying before they get to you. <laughs> right. Because you're not the only one doing what you're doing. So they're checking with everybody first. Oh, absolutely. So just stay true to your business because if you're going to go if you're going to lower your prices for everybody that's not happy with what you're charging, then you're never going to be successful. You're yeah. never going to be profitable. Right. I think you're going to get into this rut of chasing your tail and get burnt out pretty quickly if you do it that way. Um, so anyway, usually at the end of the podcast, uh, we like to wrap it up with a weekly challenge. Uh, last week's challenge, uh, Jay challenged me to create a new social media platform, which I, I guess I could call this a half win. Maybe. What do you think, Jay? No, did I fail? I don't know. You got What do you think? So well, you I, made it. Did you post on it? I have not posted on it. I did make so <laughs> Jay challenged me to make the Twitter. I did make the Twitter. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, the Twitter verse is crazy. I'm trying to figure out how to. I've been kind of watching other accounts, figuring out how people are posting what they're saying, and kind of figuring out what do I need to say or do. So is that a win or a loss? Uh, I'll let y'all decide for yourself. But I did make the Twitter. I did, and I challenged Jay to keep posting every day on social media, and he's been killing it. He has been killing it. He. Oh, another thing. Today he uh, rolled out his brand new website. <sighs> Crowd goes wild again. <laughs> that's something you've been yep, wanting to do yep. for a while. So, so that's good. Uh, just real quick, tell us about that. Was it easy? Was it hard? Was it quick? What, what are your thoughts on making your own website for those that want to do it? So I found, uh, I mean, it's way easier than it was a couple of years ago, for sure. hundred yeah. uh, percent. It's a lot more, you know, the interfaces that you're using now, there's a, there's a bunch of different website builders out there, but the one I use is very easy to work. Um, unfortunately, uh, because I'm so particular, it took me a lot majority of the day because every time I did a preview, I was like, Oh, I don't like that. Or <laughs> right. I found something I didn't like. So I'm very picky. So it did take me a while. <clears throat> um, but I'm, I'm very happy with it. And it, it, like I said, it did take me all day, but I couldn't be happier with the way it turned out. Mm -hmm. And, and what you're able to do yourself with no coding knowledge now is right. wild. Right. Um, right. You can set up a, pretty, but I'm very happy with website. it. And, oh yeah. And I can't, I can't complain. I'm very happy with it. Mm -hmm. So check us out. www.choicingct.com. <laughs> the plug. Go check it out. <laughs> no, that's good. No, and, and and like Jay said, building a website is actually super easy these days. Um, you got you know just sit down and do it. It might take a little bit to do, but just just get it knocked out. Uh, and just to to piggyback on that a little bit, the most and Jay brought this up today. The most important part is it's 2019 rolling into 2020 right now. The most important part of the website it needs to be mobile friendly. Make sure you get on your phone and get on your website and make sure that your website works on your phone. Uh, I don't know about 
I mean, we're in front of computers all day, but previously everything was done on my phone. Jay, I don't know if you were too, but like if I went on a website and it wasn't mobile friendly, AKA it looked like a website on your phone, not a, not a mobile phone view. I was out. I didn't like it. I didn't want to deal with it. I oh yeah. Out. Same so, here. So make sure it's, it's mobile out. friendly. <laughs> yeah. Same here. hundred yeah. percent. And actually luckily the, 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 the uh, website I used to build mine gives you a preview and an editor to where you can preview it and edit the mobile view to look one way and the computer view to look another way. So it's, was perfect so we uh we got up and running but i'm the same way if it don't match if it don't work on my phone nowadays if it doesn't work on my phone i got no use for it i'll find <laughs> someone that does yeah that's a fact well i think that uh it's come time now jay where i give you your weekly challenge and vice versa i think that this week's gonna go along with our topic of uh discussion here uh I, i'm gonna challenge you to uh to call at least one of your vendors and see if you can't get a little better pricing on some of your products, be it one of your you know, blank suppliers or one of your uh, chemical suppliers. Uh, just call one of them. I want you to call one of them and see if they'll wiggle room on that price, bring them down. Even if it's just a penny per product, that stuff adds up, man. So that's your deal. Uh, so you got till next podcast to make it happen, captain. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to stay, I'm going to actually go back an episode for you. Okay. And now, so you challenged me last week to post twice a day on my social media platform. Yep. So I'm going to challenge you now, continue posting your twice a day like you do on your Facebook and your Instagram. Yep. But I want you to post. Here comes Twitter. (laughs) Yep. I want you to post once a day on Twitter. Okay. But in addition to that, I want you to draw followers from your other social media pages to your Twitter account. Okay. And I'm going to do the same thing because my Twitter account sits at one follower right now for the business. You still got one. Seven days in, you yep. still got one. Woo! Yep. So, so that's I'm going to challenge you. I want to see posts and I want to see followers on your actual Twitter Done. with okay. with your – I want hashtags and, and ats and all that because okay. that's how Twitter works. Perfect. Yeah, because uh, it's funny you say that on our Facebook we have almost 3,000 likes. On our Instagram, I, I think we have right at just around 1,000 and Twitter has uh, zero. So that will be our baseline numbers. Uh, we'll see what we do with that. So, hey, guys, thanks for uh, checking out another episode with us. Uh, we sincerely appreciate your time. We hope that we bring value to your day-to-day business life. Uh, like always, if you're on the fence, make the leap. Go open a business. Go start that idea. Go do that thing. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you all again next week. Later. <laughs>